You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 113 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. I'm here with my co-host, Lee Fields, and our two friends from Video World, Jeremy Bagwell and Rusty Anderson. I thought you were going to say vidiots. I really thought you were going to say that. No, we've never said yeah. things no, like that. No, no, you're our friends from Video World. Yeah. You know, That's Jay true. is the only one that says that. Yeah. So, Well, yeah. we might have a differing opinion about our lighting friends, but you guys are great. As long as you don't lay cables across our paths, because anytime there's an out of place cable in monitor world i know that video is to blame it's like outside of a yellow jacket trip hazard in a venue it's like there's this random Mm. 300 foot sdi loom that's just sitting there in the middle of everybody's walking path then that's when i have a problem with video yeah, because we realize video is the most important. Rules don't so apply. We just do whatever we want little, to. Felt like a soapbox moment for you there, Jeff. <laughs> some personal, yeah, no personal experience. The pastor, somebody asked for, like, can I use a teaching TV today? And you didn't have one, and then you right. have to bust out the 500 foot SDI cable because oh, they think yeah, you can just true. airplay it from their true. iPhone. <laughs> that's true. Correct. So, other than that, how are you guys doing today? Uh, great. Um, this is the first time we've all been together since Vegas. Yeah. Which was only a week ago. I say true. that like it was a long time. <laughs> I know. Uh, massive thank you, Jeremy, to Ross for sponsoring that party. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's a good opportunity to support our uh, crew, you know? Yeah, it was awesome. Good time. I kept realizing when I was there, I was like, I've been to NAB, I don't know, six, seven times. But I've never been there and had all, the, all my people in the same room. You know, it's like right. we all go to different parties or whatever, different top golf outings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to have the whole crew, the whole tribe there was awesome. It is yeah. awesome. That's why I feel like uh, even one of our guys uh, at Ross said that um, at that party, it was like really refreshing to see how the technical depth of the conversations were and just the uh, need for us to be able to hang out and talk like operations, gear, technical depth, philosophical things. Like, yeah. yeah, it was just fun to be able to have those conversations. In the midst of a venue like where oh we had our party, gosh. it's like, yeah, I'll have any conversation right. if I can do it in a place right. like that. That's right, one hundred percent. A little crazy, yeah, a little crazy. Thanks to Ross, Ross worship. Yeah, anytime, you guys, anytime. Oh. I think so. Um, as how am I doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yesterday, Jer- Je- Jeff, sorry, Jeremy and I played golf, and um, as a thank you to Ross worship, I let him beat me. I'm just oh, say wow. <laughs> no, wow. Actually, I went triple, triple, triple in the final three holes. I just ran out of gas. He beat me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did Jeremy shoot 84? Mm, no. No. I was a long ways off. <laughs> you owe me a bottle of Camus. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah right. for, the, for those of you who don't remember or weren't around for the MXU live tour, yeah. we all played golf one day, and Jeremy came to the course claiming that he could just go out any day and shoot 84. So the whole thing that day was... Mind you, yeah. he hadn't played Basically golf in like given, six months. Right. Well, we I right. bet him $100 that that would not happen. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So the whole day was spent basically giving Jeremy the proper beatdown for um, basically talking smack about his golf game. And yeah, he came close to 84, but it happened at like hole 14. <laughs> yes. My back nine, I shot a 40 on the back nine. So I was excited about that. But yeah, the front nine was a little Yeah, it was like rough. 52 on the front. <laughs> it was something like that. But we had a great time, yeah. as we always we do. We should do that again. 
We should. I'm, I, I'm getting my skills ready, you know. Wait, so Lee, are you, are you implying that we're going to be together on tour again? I am again? implying. We're so close to making the announcement. It may happen the week this podcast comes out. It might. I'm excited. It's true. It, it, it might happen the same day this podcast it comes might. out, as far as it I might. know. It's good. good. I know nothing about it. So, Yeah, we told you last time the cities were going to. We are so close to having actual venues and dates that we're hoping to be able to announce that within the next week yep. or so. And so it may happen when this podcast comes out, but for sure sometime that week, we hope to be able to bring you more details and locations and an option to start to buy tickets for the MXU Live Tour happening this fall. And we're using a national... Um promotion company like a national marketing firm for the first time so it's going to yes an audience that we've never reached before but we're going to announce tickets to our community first so yes. everybody's going to get first crack at all the vips the after parties the early bird all that stuff before it goes national but it'll only be a few days so be watching our social yeah. for all that um because this this particular company is still busy selling tickets for people like Toby Mac and Dude Perfect and Elevation. some other of your favorite Christian artists. Yeah. And so um, give you three, guess, three guesses on who that company is, but we're grateful to them for their partnership and their willingness to jump in with us, even though we're not doing a massive tour. It's such a huge help for us that they're going to be in with us to help promote and prepare and plan for these three incredible events. And Rusty and Jeremy will be there. Yeah. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Honestly, one of the things I'm most excited for, and I, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke, is getting to watch Rusty again yeah. during the camera training moment as he just goes all in with how he's responding to this music live. Because you never get to see that when he's back in a control room somewhere. So to be able to see him live in the room, engaging with camera ops and his video directing skills while the music is happening is just, it was one of my highlights of the whole tour last year. And I can't wait for that moment. I think again. I blacked out every time we did it. It was wild. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I remember anything that I said. That's it was awesome. awesome. I've, I've uh, had those yeah. feelings before. Like yeah. you mix a song and you don't remember it. You're just like, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally have had that. Um, and then I have some Good news about Australia. Down under. Excellent. We're going to do something a little different with Australia. So going to a country we've never been to before. Um, it is not going to be exactly like the MXU tour. However, here's what we're doing. We're partnering with two companies to do something there this summer. There's a company called NAS. And if you're in Australia, you know them. And a small speaker manufacturer called DNB. They're uh, they're an upstart from Germany. If you've heard of them, um, <laughs> they are bringing the XSL system to Australia for the first time. So Australia has been locked down because of COVID the past few years. So they haven't had any of the XSL there. They wanted us to do a full blown event. We couldn't do it the way we wanted in enough time. So we're going to do something a little different. It's NAS and DNB presents XSL featuring. MXU. So myself and Andrew Crawford, who is a splendid engineer from Australia, will be doing like MXU light with the uh, the guys from NAS and DNB. So 
Those tickets will be sold through DNB and NAS. We'll link to those on our platforms so you'll be able to see that. But that'll be at the end of June and early, early July of this summer. That's going to happen. And the other great thing about that event, for those of you who are in Australia who have been antsy for an MXU-type experience, the cool thing is that it will be the first time that one of our events will feature an Allen and Heath console. That's right. Because that's that's the desk that Andrew uses to mix. So the tracks that he plays will be featuring his workflow and his sort of best practices on Allen and Heath. So you get to see that for the first time at an MXU style event. So that'll be in Sydney and Melbourne this summer. Um, check NAS, check DMB, check MXU, check my Instagram for all that. And if you're in Australia, it'll be winter. Yeah. So that's that's interesting yep, too. Pretty pumped about that. Do we have a special guest joining us? What's up, my people? <laughs> there <laughs> he is. Live from the catacombs of some venue, last day of the Elevation Worship Tour, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai, has decided to join the conversation. You never know when Jay's no, going to show up, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah, it's I great. just pop in every couple hours hoping someone's recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's good to see you, bro. How's, how's the tour going? It's good. We're in Boston today at the Garden, and it's been on I mean, the Union be- Eleven here. Local Eleven is incredible. I've been cussed out about fourteen. Did you hear times. any new uh, new combination of words? No, no. But then I told him I grew up in Wales, which was not the best thing to say to a to an Irish town. It was great. We had some great banter. Uh, I've been uh, uh, suggested we- that I go inside some of these road cases and do very very bad things to myself. So um, it's been great. <laughs> well, the fact that you were able to join us on this at this time means that you must have had a pretty smooth load in. Incredible load in. Rig is up. Webster's already tuned. Everyone's at lunch. I'm going to find a Guinness across the street. Well, that's awesome, Jay. We were just talking about Australia, and then you popped on, so I didn't want to ruin the surprise, but you're going to Australia with me. I am. Hope I don't get mistaken for a native. <laughs> so Dadu Worldwide himself will be emceeing those events in Australia. Yep, and teaching on the Mackie VLZ 1604 Pro. <laughs> Is that a video switcher? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It actually looks looks more like a video switcher. I just wanted to pop in and say hello to our people. I didn't know Jeremy was on here. I probably oh, got on. Jeremy, I appreciate you not wearing your hat. Hey, no problem. Appreciate you not wearing your hat backwards. <laughs> Rusty, I love you dearly. Love you, man. I miss you. Get home. Le- Lee, I'll see you in Australia. All right. See you there. All right. Bye. See you. You just never know when you're going to hear from Dadu. It's awesome. I love it. It's so good. I had no idea he was coming. <laughs> okay. So before we get into our topic for today, we need to give another shout out. So yeah. um, a lot of churches are in the middle of maybe post-Easter, pre-summer, pre-camp, pre-VBS, like the spring season. You're thinking about spring cleaning. You want to maybe tidy things up backstage after Easter, and you open up this random closet, and you see a bunch of gear that is just sort of sitting there that is turned into a graveyard. So, Lee, what do we do about that? You call church gear. <laughs> okay. I feel like we should. We need a jingle. Call church gear. <laughs> Churchgear.com. Yeah, something like that. You call church gear, and they give you stacks of cash for your gear so that you can go buy New gear from Ross Video. Or used gear from Ross Video from the Church Gear website. 
That's right. Jeremy, there's a Ross Vision switcher on Church Gear's website for sale. I just looked that up. I know. For $6,000. Yeah. That's cool. That's a $100,000 switcher. Panel and the and the frame? Uh, Yes. Something like that. I got to dive into the details, but yeah, it's a good opportunity. To, do, you, do you even know what a Vision is, Jeremy? Uh, a little bit. I've had a lot of experience with it. Yeah. So, so basically, the, it, the point is, if you want to turn your old gear into new dollars for your ministry, you need to go to churchgear.com because they will make it as easy as possible. Basically, all you do is send them a list of the gear, they make you an offer, and they come pick it up, then they wire a check to your church. So you don't have to do anything. You just have to let them know what you have, and they'll take care of the rest. It's awesome. So churchgear.com, check it out. Hey, for real, there's something on here that I might buy. Really? What is it? There's a DBX 165. Bro, how much? Two grand. Oh, man. That's like a staple compressor. That's an incredible vocal compressor. I'm going to email him and see if he'll pull it off the website. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's doing tour prep. Somebody's doing tour prep. Yeah. I was working with some of our MXU friends at... Uh, shout out Glenhaven Baptist Church in McDonough last weekend. Nice. And they had some uh, some Zoom controllers that were pretty pretty tough to use. You know, I th- we taught you how to use camera, right? You want to do a slow Zoom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And these these uh, these controllers would just not let you do it slow. So I was like, you guys need to go in church gear and see if they got anything. Sure enough, they had exactly what they needed. Are you serious? Yeah. This was not planned. No, this was... That's awesome. Uh, just, literally just happened. That's pretty That's great. Freaking church gear. Sounds like church gear needs to up their sponsorship of the MXU podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. Uh, Jeff and I are going there next week to shoot some funny videos with them. So that'll be fun. That's great. Where are they? Where are they located? Uh, Nashville. Okay, cool. We're going to try to go blow up some gear in a field and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, do something crazy. (laughs) Do you guys ever watch the movie Office Space where they take that yes uh, printer out in the field and just beat? the hell out of yeah. 100 yeah. we're gonna yes. do that with that vision switcher <laughs> <laughs> go for it you do you you know you do you that's funny okay so w- one of the reasons that rusty and jeremy are here today is because first of all i want to personally just give them uh an attaboy on the work that they've done on the brand new coming to you next week MXU video podcast. Hello. Yeah. We're adding adding to our family of podcasts. So we'll have the MXU podcast as it's always been, but we're adding uh, additional podcasts specifically for video, specifically for lighting, and specifically for audio so that we can nerd out and dive deep into topics that maybe if that's not your discipline, you may not be interested in. So all of our video guys next week, We're going to launch the video podcast with four episodes that Rusty and Jeremy have hosted to this point, and I've been the one editing them, and I tell you, these are terrific. What I learned from Jeremy Lamori about Intercom, it's like, okay, Mm. we need to have this guy on the audio podcast because it's incredible. So the conversations and the depth and the breadth of knowledge is just so cool. So I'm excited. One note about that. We we struggle with the whole intercom thing because this really is an audio platform. No, it's not. But video team people <laughs> use it. So Well, it is an audio it is an audio device. The problem that's, is yeah, audio big, audio uh, guys are smart enough not to deal with setting it up. So we <laughs> leave it to, we leave it to the rest <laughs> of you guys 
to yes. do all the setup because we don't want to touch it. We just want to yes. use it. So yes, yeah. Uh, text messages work great to talk to monitors. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't even need calm. Get that away from me. No, Lee, you don't even it's use true. that. You've you've got an A two for all of your calm needs. Very true. Some guys mix with calm in one ear. I can't do yeah, it. I don't know. Mm. I couldn't do it. Even corporate shows, like I can't do it then either. The Chick Fil A event, a couple of those that I've done. And the producer will ask, hey, why don't you have calm in your ear? And I'm like, "Uh, because I need both these beauties here (laughs) to do my job. I can't do it. It's weird. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Anyway, we're really excited about the MXU video podcast. And so um, thanks to you guys for just diving in. Jeremy, thanks for just finding the guests and making it so engaging. I think people are going to love it. Yeah, it's great. We're just excited about excited about it putting ourselves out there and you know we want to learn and so it's kind of our journey of learning together and hopefully people jump on and learn with us and daniel cannell's leading the lighting podcast and he's got a couple episodes in the tank already so those will come out next week as well probably uh wednesday thursday next week we're going to release those one at a time so you'll see them come across social and actually by the time this podcast comes out it'll be wednesday thursday of this week so it'll be just in a couple days yeah, May 11, 12, yeah. whatever that is. Cool. Um, Jeremy, I know you guys have plans for future guests, but like, what are you hoping to bring to the table? Uh, we really do hope to um, bring... So my pet peeve is I want to... Um, one is I, I want to give all of us church community like a glimpse into what it looks like to be outside of our church community in a technical production role, particularly in video. So... Um, just hosting people, having people come tell us about like, what does it look like? What does other industries look like? Um, what does esports production look like? What is a doing, you know, the Grammys or some award show look like from a video standpoint? And then Rusty and I and our friend Zach Kimry will help connect what other industries are doing with our church industry so that we can learn and grow. Um, ultimately, I want to make, I want us to, to become these strong professionals in our industry um, and not that we want to grow into and move on to something else, but we want to be able to take what other people are doing and apply it to our church industry and, and grow together. Cause I feel like we get in our box and we only see uh, Sundays coming and it's hard to learn from other people outside of our church industry. So that's what I wish I had the last 15 years was the ability to kind of zoom out and connect with people outside of our industry. So I want us to come together and bring that to the table. So does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Totally. You know, even a few minutes ago when we talked about this Ross Switcher on Church Gear's website, that's all I had to offer, but I could see the look on Rusty's face when he asked the question, does it have a frame with it? So even like there was hesitation there to keep asking questions about that because this isn't the right environment to do right. that. But if this was a video podcast, I'm sure y'all would have went another 10 minutes on that switcher. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's yeah, really cool. Yes. And another thing that I'm excited about is the possibility of building relationships with these guys in the wider industry so that they would be willing to come and record some video content for us for MXU now on their expertise. And so to engage them in this community beyond just the podcast, but for people to be able to see in person their workflow and their gear and their approaches, I think, you know, as great as yours and Rusty's content is the more voices we can have as a part of the library, the better we're all going to be. So that's super exciting. Yep. Yeah. So here we go. 
So here we go. And this will be the first of many. You know, the MXU Podcast Network is now officially a thing. So there may be more coming for the rest of the year. Actually, I know there is, but I don't want to steal Jeremy and Rusty and Daniel's thunder too early. <clears throat> yeah, we're nice going to be good. We're super excited. So while we have you here, though, we also wanted to chat about um, a broader, maybe deeper, maybe tougher conversation about church production world. So earlier this week, Lee, you posted a pretty compelling um, just challenge to the community yeah. that got a lot of really good responses. A lot of, ooh, I needed to hear this. Ooh, thumbs up. Oh, I love this. This is great. But I feel like it's worth a deeper conversation because there are so many aspects of this that need to be addressed that can't be addressed simply on a screen grab from social media. So yeah. we need to talk about this. So why don't you take a minute to set up kind of why you said what you did and what you said, yeah. and we can dig in. Yeah, so I'll tell you where this came from. Um, I'm getting phone calls, text messages, DMs, emails. It, it almost feels daily. It's probably not daily, but it's it's at least three or four a week of churches asking me, do I know anyone that will come to work at their church? And that could be a church of 500 people or it could be a church of 50,000. It's it's all over the map. And I'm sure that's happened to you three guys too. I, I, would, I know it is, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's been probably nine months of that where it's really picked up. Even about a year ago is when it, it felt like it really started. You know, people were a year into COVID and... We're like, I'm done. I need a break. I'm going to Home Depot or I'm going on the road or going to work in an integrator, whatever it is. Um, so it was Sunday morning and I got two messages from two different churches, text and a, a DM, and they were in a bit of panic mode. One church has been looking for a production director for a year and he's interviewed a few different people, great candidates, and for whatever reason at the last minute, they they decided not to do anything. So he's just been doing weekends with volunteers. And it's a big church. It's like a 4,000-person church. Big PA, big video, the whole deal. And they had a bunch of mistakes this week. And I felt bad for him. I was, like felt sorry. I'm like, man, this it, it would freaking suck to be the worship pastor of a huge church and not have anyone leading your production team for a year. Like, if you think about that, there are so many churches out there like that. And what they're asking for is, do you know anyone? And then I sat down and I just opened my notepad on my phone and just started typing my thoughts. And originally I wrote all that because I feel like maybe it's time for churches to start thinking differently about replacing their teams that were leaving. That's where it all came from. So it was kind of a message to these bigger churches looking for an audio engineer or a lighting director to say like, Hey, this is going to be way harder than you think it is because a lot of the great audio engineers and lighting designers have now left full-time employment at churches and they're freelancing or they went to integration companies or they went to uh, graphic design firms. And like they're, it, everybody just kind of went everywhere. It feels like. And you know, couple that with like what we do, Jeff, Rusty, Jeremy, like we train people. That's what we do. Right. Like we've dedicated yep. our lives at this point to equipping the church on how to be better at what they do and how to staff these volunteer teams. And I thought, man, the, those days of, and I even said it in the post, 
trying to find someone that can mix like Corey Edwards and or program lights like Alec Takahashi or switch video like Rusty Anderson are probably over. They probably are. You know, the 1% of 1%, it's probably not because you can fly people in. You got $5 million a gear in your church anyway. So flying in somebody to mix on a weekend, it sounds crazy, but it might not be anymore. That might just be the norm. But a church of 500, 1,000, 2,000, it may be time to take training more seriously and actually training up those people in your church to do the jobs. But as soon as you say that, that triggers a bunch of other responses. And I think a lot of them are legit. It's, well, volunteers aren't going to ever mix as well as Aaron Padilla, Corey Edwards, Jeff Sandstrom. And you know what? That's true. But maybe that means we need to lower the bar because maybe the goal of serving at a church or maybe the goal of your production team and worship team at your church isn't to sound like elevation at sold out Boston Garden tonight. Maybe it's to provide a seat and an opportunity for one of your volunteers to serve and be discipled and feel like he's a part of the community. And then I start thinking about all these conversations I used to have with senior pastors and me trying to tell them why excellence is important and why they need LED walls and why they need a line array and why they need $5,000 microphones on stage. And then them always arguing with me, like, we just got to get people on our team. We want people serving in the church. We want families plugged in. And I'm like, that should be the goal. It always has been the goal. But I feel like our own egos and our own needs to be elevation I say that because they're friends of ours and they know our hearts. It it may not be the goal we should have been chasing after all along. And now, if we keep chasing after this excellence pipe dream, we're really going to fail because we're not going to be able to find the people to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think another aspect of that, I mean, first of all, the tension is huge. The tension is real. And I think living in that tension is a valuable conversation. Like I think, you know, as we've said many, many, many times, the Bible talks a lot about skill. We're called to be excellent. We are called to do our very best. We're called to bring our best and use the gifting that God has put in us to prepare a place for people to experience worship in compelling ways. So I I don't say any of what I'm going to say as a as an anti that because I truly believe that is true. So all that to say, but (laughs) even this Sunday at Elevation, it's not going to sound as good as Elevation Worship does tonight at Boston Garden. That's right. And so it's like it's people have this almost this false expectation. They see Elevation or Passion or Chris Tomlin or Hillsong in concert, and they think, well, that's every Sunday at their church. Well, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And that's okay. I think... You know, the this there's this sort of imaginary bar that people have set over the years that has set perfection as the standard. And this excellence thing has become so much of a thing that the striving to be as good as we can be is replaced by, well, we have to be perfect or we have to be just like XYZ other church in order to be effective. And that's just false. So, I, you know, we need to talk about that for a minute because I really feel like, you know, excellence is, in a way, a form of worship. Like, we can strive toward excellence as an act of worship, but as soon as we turn our direction toward perfection, 
then that becomes idolatry. And that becomes a place for discontentment and dissension and bitterness and resentment and all of those things that are poisonous to our ministry. It's like, what would happen if instead we focused on the people and pour into them? Because as a result of training and as a result of discipling them in tech and as a result of encouraging them and bringing out the best in them, hey, it may not be as good as yours or my mix, Lee, but the quality will improve by virtue of us making them better as people and caring about them and loving them and making them feel engaged and connected in our ministry as a vision for our church, not just as a product that's going out. As soon as we commoditize people, it's a really dangerous thing. If we're looking at our product as a commodity and the people who produce that commodity as expendable or as, you know, we're going to fly them in because they're better, all of a sudden now we're diluting anything we have to say about the mission and vision for our volunteers. And that is scary to me. Yeah, I, I agree with what you, the two of you said. I, I don't, um, I just started taking notes. So I got a lot of things to say, but uh, I don't know where we want to go from here. Come on. I mean, the hard part is when I was thinking about this, it's like, yes, I think a lot of church staff members who are listening to this are like echoing, yeah, like, yeah, 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 come on, like I would have, you know, a year and a half ago. It was like, yeah, yeah. Um, I was trying to think about the history of the church, you know, from the beginning of time till now and the development of technology. And when we have the Sunday experience now that has requires high technology, and with high technology, uh, we need high highly skilled operators. And then um, we've also developed uh, the American church. I'll say that as like, I, I, I don't even know, like evangelical American church is this like high uh, excellence value, high like rock and roll show style church. I mean, a lot of people have a, a, like, that's like a trigger word for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, that's like what it is. I'm describing a style. I'm not describing necessarily the faith system behind it. Um, but the style is that, which requires like high uh, talented operators uh, in the seats. And so I think we also like uh, 10 years, 15 years ago when I was learning church, I heard this phrase called distraction-free environments. And like, hey, we want to create distraction-free environments, which means like um, want to make sure we minimize mistakes so that it doesn't um, uh, pull people out of the experience. And um, so there's just so much in that just from the like last 20 if you think about the last 20 years the amount of mega churches the amount of like technology used in church it's exploded i don't even know the real study on it i don't even know the numbers which i probably should but it's exploded which means with technology is with is people right like we need people to make the technology happen um and so i think there's some opportunities for our industry to uh take that next step as we develop into what this professional industry is. Um, and I think this is a really, really crucial part of whatever that next step is. But I'll, I'll uh, see what Rusty has to say before I go on my, more of my soapbox. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm the kind of person that thinks about this kind of stuff a lot. Um, even for someone like me who, like, this is what I do for a living. I've, I have my entire career turned 90 degrees once I got out of seminary because I felt like God was saying, hey, Rusty, you're, I gifted you to do this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to help build my church by doing 
live video production. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt, I think what your post, how your post resonated with me the most was I have felt a lot lately that the goal has been, um, I, I don't even, I don't even want to say perfection because I feel like it's easy for someone to write off. Oh, we're not trying to be perfect. And maybe, maybe you're not trying to be perfect, but you are trying to be something that you don't need to be. Impressive. Impressive. Mm. Yes. Innovative. Whatever buzzword you want to put out there. Um, there's a difference. There's a big difference in trying to be excellent and trying to be some, someone else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's so much of the decisions that we make or the programming that we do uh, or the technolog- technology decisions that we make that are, they're just superfluous. Like they're not necessary for advancing the kingdom or the gospel. Um, I would say in our attempt to be distraction free, we probably are pretty distracting mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Or at um, least distracted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you, you said earlier, there's maybe no more Rusty Andersons. And I'm thinking back to where I came from. Like, I started running PowerPoint at my church when I was a senior in high school because someone thought, you know, someone was okay with giving me a chance. And did I mess up? 100% I messed up. And they were okay with that because there was a, it was a place of training and it was in our main, you know, main sanctuary that had a thousand people in it. Yeah. Um, and then I started learning lights and did I make some terrible light, lighting cues and designs? Yeah. I mixed some colors that never should have been mixed together, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I, I was able to learn and I, 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 I forget who I told this story to recently, but um, I think maybe I was like a freshman in college and I had, I was kind of in charge of some of our production stuff. Um, I was just like the new kid who had a lot of fun ideas. And I remember for Easter, we had this idea. We wanted to like, we wanted to make this creative art piece was like a chain link fence with like a cross woven through it. And we wanted to do a reveal. Um, So we were like, I don't know, let's just get a couple of motors. And then at a certain moment, we'll raise it up. Well, I went and rented motors and I hung them. And guess what? Like an idiot, I took the heavy part of the motor up in the lift and hung it to to the steel instead of just taking, taking the chain up. So like little stupid things like that. Not letting the motor actually raise itself with itself. (laughs) Yeah, I lifted it. (laughs) So I just had the chance to do some dumb things. And, um, you know, nobody got hurt. And people, what was interesting looking back on it is like the people that were helping train me, um, like they're they're not experts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, well, I was thinking what you were saying, Lee. Yeah. Like, well, what does that worship pastor do? That worship pastor can't train these people. Right. But they can train them a little yep. and give them resources. And you know, I just met other people because I got in the community who were doing things. Yeah, you're right. Um, there were a couple comments and DMs. And then even Alec texted me and said, we may not be available anymore to show up and take full-time jobs but we started as 15 year olds so we were what you're talking about we're a product of what's missing exactly so like when people are saying i want to hire a great audio engineer well these great audio engineers didn't get hired as great audio engineers right they got recruited in high school yep even me i didn't start mixing in quote big church because of my experience mixing in big church I got recruited to mix in services and at events by somebody who saw something in me from just my musicality or whatever other potential, but I didn't know what I was doing. And right. th- and that was okay. Like 
you know, there was somebody standing beside me who said, hey, here's how I think about gain structure. Here's how I think about what is different from live sound versus being in a studio or making a record. And, you know, obviously I had, I had a certain level of, of experience. I wasn't starting from scratch, but even way, way back in the day when I was a teenager, um, our church got a new old Yamaha soundboard and it was like, okay, this green button is the high frequency knob and here's how you make it feed back. Ooh, that's not pleasing. Here's how you stop it from feeding back. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And these different frequencies are actually different tones. So if you hear it feeding back this way, then that might be this knob or it might be this lower knob. And it was very simple, but it was like something unlocked in my brain that I could go, okay, I think I can control that. And that was my job. Make sure the pastor's mic doesn't feed back. Perfect. Because we just had piano and organ and a choir. So it wasn't like mixing a band, yeah. but it was, hey, we had a microphone for the pastor. Can you keep it from feeding back? Okay, great. Let's let's learn from there. But it was, like you said, Rusty, somebody willing to pour into me, somebody willing to take a chance, somebody willing to not let it be perfect, be willing to let me make mistakes so that we could create a better experience for everybody. I think there's... Um I think there's a natural drift in churches as churches grow. Like now that thinking back at it and also thinking about the church, the small church that I go to right now, full of 18 year olds running camera who uh, are learning every Sunday, you know, how to do it. Um, and I think what we sh could learn from uh, smaller churches is as churches grow, like for me, the last 15 years, I was at a small church, then a bigger church, then a bigger church. Um, my um, the, the pressures to perform got greater and greater and greater. And so therefore the performance was the execution, the perfection, the distraction free, all that stuff. So I remember very clearly, like in the small church world, it was like, yeah, grab so-and-so and so-and-so, throw it on the camera, we'll help you teach you. And then we're, and yes, we make mistakes. Yeah. And then as we, as I think as every church grows, it progresses towards this, uh, execution level that is sometimes unsustainable, uh, maybe so unsustainable in the current scenario, you know, and that's why I think it then got me frustrated because I was like, man, I don't have the staff, I don't have the resources, I don't have the contractors to do what I need to do. But I just remember not having time to train my volunteers, and it was like a constant tension of I've got. 50 video volunteers that I need to do a training with, but Sunday's still coming and I got to do X, Y, and Z in order for I to have an off day. And, you know, so therefore training was just off the table. Um, so that's what I feel like is really important to, to remember is like, as your church grows bigger, you will naturally, it will naturally drift towards execution as the goal, like performance execution. Yeah. And when that happens, then you will be, you will drift as a staff member towards getting that done um, and less about uh, training and developing people because it takes a ton of time to train and develop people. So you have to, you're constantly de are deciding, you know, what to spend time on. Yeah. And I, th I think those pressures, the heaviest of pressures, it's the 1% of 1%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I was looking the other day, how many churches of, of 3,000 are there in just our country in the United States? There's only like 200. Out of 300,000. 300,000. So for most churches, if every church is growing, I do think that pressure increases some, 
that I don't think everyone listening right now, it, it's, it's not going to get to the point to where the pressure is so big and so are your budgets that you have 10 production staff at one campus. Right. It's, that's going to happen to probably 30 churches yep. globally, you know, and it happened to us. We had 10 at one campus. You guys have all worked at places that have had 10 at one campus and something happens to where the pressure is so big that it has to be perfect. So you go hire professionals. That's yep. just what happened. Yep. So I always say it this way. Uh, well, I don't know of any other industry and I'm sure somebody will, after this podcast will tell me, of another industry, but where we have a high faith value and a high professional value. So like our um, personal value and what we're doing is at the same height as our professional value. So it's therefore our calling. It's what we do. We work for the church. People's lives are changed by what we do and our output. Yeah. Like somehow our output is um, connected to what the work that God's doing. And so then all of a sudden the pressure is, holy crap, if I don't perform, then I am letting God down or I'm letting somebody else down or I'm letting that person sitting in the seat down. Like I've got a, that need to perform because we have this, um, it's not a job that you just sign in and sign out of, right? It's not, a, it's not something where you believe very personally, very deeply about something, but your, your uh, professional job's not connected. They are very, very connected and very at a high level, both. And so it creates an intensity sometimes that um, needs to be dealt with. I think it's an, an unhealthy level of intensity sometimes, um, at least for me. As you say that, I'm thinking, I, I wonder if you guys would agree with this or not, but I work, I have worked non-church, I've worked, you know, corporate gigs with big artists. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, um, Steve Harvey. And those gigs feel way less pressure than what I feel at church sometimes. 100%. And maybe it's what you're talking about, Jeremy, is because it's, We've, I don't know. We've gotten out of balance in those two things, I guess. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. And misaligned expectations. Like, I mean, we're talking about senior pastors. We're talking about worship leaders. We're talking about all. There's a lot of complexity to each organization, large or small, right? Um, so, like, the misaligned of expe expectations, the, the misaligning of philosophies of production, you know, philosophies of what a Sunday experience should be, right? should feel. So, That's a big one right there. Yeah. I think part of the problem too, Jeremy, with what you said is that at first, that pressure can be a good thing. In other words, you want to execute well yep. because there is a spiritual component, because eternity is at stake, because this is a mission, because it's a calling. It's like, that's great. The problem is when that pressure gets more and more and more, then it's, it's, the skill doesn't fall away. The spiritual falls away. And so then it becomes just a gig and it's just yep. a job. And then you're just so then you can't you can't untangle the vocational from the here's what's best for my family spiritually, or yep. here's how I need to model leadership to my family in a spiritual way because I'm I'm just wrapped up in the wrong thing. And I see that happen over and over and over and over again. So it's like, okay. How do we have that hard conversation with leadership to go, all right, we need to realign around our vision for people Yep. because it's not just the volunteers, it's the staff people who are in danger of missing the mission that we're trying to communicate and present. Yep. And as that spiritual falls off, it, it 
it's yes, our family, but it's also our uh, volunteer family. It's it's right. the you lose that. Um, I remember walking into a green room, and it was literally like I'm an execution monkey. You know, I'm just like here to pull levers and do things. And I'm like, I had no spiritual awareness of like what's happening that Sunday. Um, I think we've all had that time we walk home and our wives are like, "Hey, what was the sermon about?" And I'm like, I couldn't even tell you. You know, like, yeah. and you I heard it three times. times. Three years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important. So for the smaller churches. You mean the, the normal churches? The normal yeah. churches. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. For the, because yeah. I'm, uh, it's funny. I'm in Greenville at a, at what's considered a really big church, but it's not a mega mega. And I think the more I've been there and the more I've been around the team, the more I feel like they're getting it right. And I think one thing that they have really focused on is, the goal for them is not to be like somebody else. Yeah, It's to be the best that we can be with the resources that we've decided to dedicate to production because we have other priorities in the way that we serve the community, the way that we serve our housing ministry and our recovery ministry and our discipleship and our small groups and our students and our kids. It's like production is just part of the whole vision for the ministry. So yes, within the limited box of what's comprising production for our church, we want it to be volunteer-based, volunteer-driven. There's only a couple of staff people, the worship leader, and a production person or two who's responsible for pulling this off, but everybody else is volunteers. And so we know that when we do a training, it's going to be pretty fundamental. Like we're not going to get into the nuances of parallel compression when we do an audio training. We're going to get into console setup and consistency and gain structure and basics about EQ and how to start to be able to ring out stuff if you don't know how to ring out a microphone. And that's okay. As I say to my wife all the time, I've had to untangle a lot of stuff within me to make that be okay. But now that it is, it's awesome. So I don't know. It's just, it's a weird challenge because for the first months of us attending that church, it was all I could do to sit on my hands because I was like, don't you people care about volume? Don't you care about that kick drum? Not that they didn't care. You guys know what I mean. Like, yes, yes, somebody cared. The volunteer standing behind the console actually really does care about how it sounds. But he wasn't there to satisfy my preferences about the kick drum. He was there because he feels like he belongs to something that matters. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And he would be there anytime they needed somebody. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's the most important thing about the whole volunteer thing is like, at the end of the day, it's our capacity to teach somebody and and let them be part of something that's bigger than us. There's a lot there. There's still more to unpack. I think I, I can't. I don't even know if I'm repeating myself because I've been thinking about this so much. But the biggest response, and I wasn't sure why people said what they did, was thanks for saying what needed to be said. Mm-hmm. And I think that means a lot of different things for different people. But I'm I'm really processing that. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, which part of the post are they affirming? Yeah. 
Because it was like, are you saying some of this is taboo? And maybe that's the performance-based church. This has got to be perfect. And it would take some weight off their shoulders. But maybe uh, some uh, another person said, hey, I wouldn't even be serving at my church if they didn't have gear because I just want to go work on a tour. Mm-hmm. And I use my church as a facility to do production. I don't even like church. And he's on staff. Yeah. And I don't remember what I said back, but it was something <laughs> pretty neutral like, wow, that's hard. Because what I wanted to say was, please do your church and its people a favor and go do something else. Because yeah. you're you're taking that opportunity to serve from someone else. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's more nuanced than that, too. I Or maybe not. I don't know. Well, I think, you know, what I took away from your post, and, and, and as I've been thinking about it this week, is, yes, there's a tension, and yes, this is a problem that we need to address, but in a way... It made me so hopeful. Yeah. Because if people get this right, there's an opportunity. Because honestly, like I, I think back to me as that teenage kid on their first Yamaha console. If if I had the opportunity to get my hands on gear that we have today in church, my potential would have exploded, like even more than it did. So it's like there's a huge opportunity for kids who are interested in technology. To have a not just a, a proving ground, but a playground that is full of opportunity and potential. And so it's like, why would we not leverage those resources to be able to bring a way to connect to ministry to a generation of kids who may not otherwise even know that this is an opportunity? So I don't know. It's but in order to do that, you have to change your mindset and go, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna turn down the dial on perfection and turn way up the dial on how we pour into people. So that shows up in really simple, practical things, practical ways. I don't want to be mixing unless there's somebody standing beside me learning. I don't want to do a team night without being super intentional about what we're going to train about. And it's not about these whiz-bang things. It's about, hey, how can we all come together around what we define as our sound as a church or how we're going to make these camera shots look in terms of headroom and color temperature and iris, like these simple things that anybody who's a volunteer can get their head around. So it's like, you know, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And if, if the main thing's not about people, then I think we have a problem. Right. I agree with that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you start, you know, when you start buying gear and upgrading systems, you don't think about what it's going to look like on your Instagram when you put a picture of it. You think about, will this piece of gear help me set volunteers up to win better than the other piece of gear? Yep. Like that should be the focus, not how many lights it has. And I think that's where we end up. It's like, well, this tour's got a Yamaha PM7. This tour's got a 338. This tour's using a a Ross video switcher. Well, maybe you don't need any of that. Maybe you need something super simple because you're volunteer driven. And maybe you don't need three microphones in your snare drum because that would confuse the piss out of a dentist. Right. Who's brilliant. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like one mic on the top and you put the fader here. Yeah. Like apply that to every system in your church and make the training easier for yourself. Yeah. I. So... I don't know if this is, I'm going to say a statement. I don't know if it's true, but I think it is when, when these conversations come up and, 
and I can get to kind of like the topper, the the top level, uh, manager, boss, leader, whatever. I always say, stop worrying about what your, uh, stop trying to solve it with a, with a staff member. Like, start talking about philosophical things that need to change in order for you to sustain with the volunteers and the people that you have. And I would, I also say, uh, your senior pastor, your like budgetary decision maker, um, will never say no when you say, Hey, I want to develop people. No, like they're never going to be like, nah, I don't want to do that. They're, they're going to say, cool. What do you need? And I think having the guts to be able to have that conversation is really important. And the, you know, we're, we're an asset to this MXU community. So anytime somebody needs help, like I can help you have that conversation. I can help give you the words and like, but that's a conversation that needs to be started. It's like, Hey, we're drowning over here. We can't pour into people. How can we, um, we need to start having those conversations about it. And because we ultimately want to develop people and I think every pastor in America is going to be like, yeah, that's what we need to do. You know? I think that point alone can be a light bulb moment for so many people listening. And if they took that simple shift in thinking, it would completely change not only how their volunteers are engaged, but how their volunteers are able to perform and produce because the product will get better just by pouring into them more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of churches have a staff position that's like... um, volunteer coordinator or you know what whatever title it is but the future of the technical leader in the church could be way more based around managing people and processes and less about well I'm the guy who knows how to reset the IP address on our projectors correct mm-hmm. yeah like you can outsource that stuff to a local contractor it it's going to be more important that if you're the technical leader of your church, that you're a leader of people and not gear. I yep. think that's here. I think it can happen. I think there's been a lot of um, incorrect assumptions about the, this person. Like you can't be a people person and a technical person, but I believe you can. It just requires development, teaching, training, and a desire from us technical people. We have to desire to want to be that as well. Yep. Be great with people. So, Yeah, and for people listening, please don't hear us say, that we don't love gear because yes, all of right. us, all of us loves executing what we do on state of the art equipment. And we love new technology and we love new tips and tricks and all the gizmos. It's like, that's why we got into this in the first place. So don't, don't see this as a binary choice. This is not either people or technology. It's yeah. how best to pour into people as you together use, utilize technology to extend your ministry. Yep. And there's a yep. lot of great churches doing it really, really well. As there well. are. Yeah. So like yeah. my churches that I attend and volunteer at is doing it really, really well. Um, but they're just like Jeff said, they're doing who they are. They're being true to themselves and it is what it is. Um, yep. And people love to be there. So practically speaking, I know you guys talked to so your church, Jeff and Jeremy. Those are probably environments where, yes, a high schooler could come along and you know stand beside you and learn. Um, which is great. And then, but what else practically are they doing? Are they having training nights? Are they just doing training on rehearsals or how are they, how are you building into people? So on the audio side for us, we are, we have started doing audio training nights. And so we did one in April and we're doing one in June and it's, you know, it's, it's super basic, but, and this is not 
a commercial for the MXU library. But I will say the reason that Lee and I started this thing and the reason that we're so passionate about it is because of these resources, because we feel like the, the ability to assign playlists and the ability to monitor progress of your volunteer team as they progress through some of these videos that we've curated and created, this is the ideal opportunity to do exactly what we're talking about. So for our team, I got an email yesterday from our production director who basically assigned a playlist from MXU Now to all of the audio volunteers and said, hey, we're going to have a training on June 6th. So between now and then, here's the videos that we want you to watch on EQ. And so now we can look at that roster of people and see how many of them have watched videos so far and how they're getting through the material so that on the training night, I'm able to go, hey, you remember in this video we talked about this? Okay, let's listen to what it sounds like in this room. And it's it's just compelling because they've got a baseline knowledge and now we can apply it in our context. So for those of you who aren't subscribers, I, uh, you know, I'm not here to do this as a commercial. I'm just saying this is a useful resource to your ministry. So man, go to getmxu.com, check it out because if you're not a subscriber and you struggle with this, I really think you need to sign up right now. And if you hate us, and you, or you're broke, go to YouTube. Yeah. There's free videos on there of not right. just us, of other people. There like, you go. I, I think the point is you have to take action to train in some way. Yes, we have a product. We'd love for you to buy it so that we can keep making videos. But there's there's a lot of other ways you can do this too. The, yep. the point is to refocus your priorities. Like your weekends are coming, right? But number two is training and development and retention of volunteers. But the retention, that was the one thing I, I did write this down. I don't know if I posted it. Retention will happen automatically right. if you increase your training and people feel like you care about them. Yeah. Yep. You don't have to work on retention. You throw a team night once a year, that's a morale booster. It's better than nothing, you know? Yeah. 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 Retention is organic for sure. Yeah, for sure. People will start training people when you get it right too. Right. So... So we record our multi, we did a student event, a Friday and Saturday student event, and I was able to record our multi-viewer into my computer and with my, I just literally took this microphone and like I had intercom and a microphone, you know, and I just recorded my intercom with my, it was like very, very simple setup. Like, yeah. And so then they were able to, then we sent that video off to the whole video team, you know, and like, then we watched it after services and they were able to, and it was all the volunteer directors running cameras as well. So it was really fun seeing 16, 17, 25-year-olds, you know, learning. So that's well, the cool I, thing yeah. is that that happens outside of the heat of the moment of a rehearsal right. or a Sunday morning. It's like you've got a – there's this sort of threshold of stress that's just off everybody. So you can you can talk. You can make fun of each other. You can right. you can yep. kind of challenge each other. And it's, it's just fun at that point yep. to not have the pressure of an event to – be bearing down on you so that you're afraid to make a mistake or afraid to miss a cue. Yep. That was a soapbox, that whole freaking thing. Are you going to put the music <laughs> under that for 40 minutes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I do feel like we could talk forever even more and more. But Yeah, it's an it, ongoing it's conversation for sure. I think the potential is huge, but I think it's, it's, it's also a huge challenge for some people who are getting sideways. Because what you said along, long, early in the conversation, Jeremy, is – there's a drift 
that happens. And sometimes when you're drifting, you don't feel it, right? You don't even know that it's happening until two years later, you look back and you go, oh, I thought we were over there and now we're a hundred yards this way. That's why I'm losing people. That's why I can't recruit right. volunteers because we're not healthy. Yep. Right. Okay. Let's figure it out. Thanks for stirring the pot, Lee. Hey, I, I didn't really mean to, honestly, <laughs> I didn't. I just got tired of people asking me if I could send them someone to hire. That's really <laughs> what happened. For real. I was not expecting it. It wasn't this like, Ooh, let's see if I can get a viral post. It was not that at all. Yeah. But it got shared 750 times. Wow. It is crazy. Wow. I know. That's how you like really know, like, did this resonate? Like the like count is one thing, but when I saw how many people were sending it to other people, I thought, oh my gosh, we got to talk about this. Mm. That's good. Well, it's important. Agreed. Well, guys, we're excited about the video podcast. Can't wait for next week. Um, First four episodes. So Jeremy, what's your plan for new guests and further frequency? Yeah, so we'll continue uh, to get people booked. We're going to have an LED expert because I feel like LEDs is like all things video and it's a wild, wild west uh, out there. So LED expert, uh, we're going to dive into uh, like AR um, virtual stuff. Uh, there's a lot of other, a lot of things to come, but just diving into these kind of like hot topics um, and then even esports is a thing um, that we have opportunity to talk to. Uh, one of the esports studios out in Vegas. So excited about some of that stuff coming down the pipe. Can't wait. It's great. And we'll make AR very easy for your volunteers. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it's always a pleasure, boys. We're just grateful for the conversation. Thanks for digging in. And um, let's go play golf. I'm in. Y'all are going to Sweetens Cove, aren't you? We are. Mm-hmm. May 24th. I'm so jealous. So There's excited. two golf things I can't go to this month that y'all are going to. Mm. You're going to a major tournament. You're not going, Lee? No. I thought you were going. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, Rusty and I, are going, the- to, Rusty and I are going to the PGA Championship. I'm going. I think the Big Cat's coming, too. Come on. He was practicing last week, yeah. so. He went there to play yeah. last week. Right. Yeah. I mean, here's here's my prediction. Here, here's, here's my prediction. Tiger Woods will make the cut in the PGA, but he won't win. And then in July, he will go to St. Andrews and win the Open Championship. What? I, I that's a that's a great bet. I think he'll do it too. I think if you know the history of that place, tradition, the golfing gods, yeah. will push him to the victory. He's got two places that he can win another major: Augusta and the St. British Andrews. Open. St. Andrews, particularly. So that's my prediction. We'll see what happens. That's crazy. All right, boys. Love you. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. See ya. Love you guys. See ya.